Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Long live the King. Welcome to Easter, and we're glad you're here. Man, the third act of the risen Savior is an amazing moment, the Resurrection Sunday. And, it's, and I love Easter. I love everything about it. It's kind of an odd thing. Easter is not because you don't know what we're going to talk about this morning. I mean, you know what we're going to talk about, those who are experiencing Christ and have been around that environment. So you know what we're talking about. But before we start talking about it, I really just want to give you a plug for next week and why you should be here next week. Next week, we're going to start a small series. And this small series has to do with touchy subjects. And touchy subjects is going to be a huge piece of where we transition, how we make a move into the spring and into summer. And the reason why it's such a touchy subject, it deals intimately and specifically into pornography, into that world. And so I would encourage you on the way out, you're going to get a little small card. Uh, Man, be praying over that card, be thinking about that card, and just encourage others uh, that you know to be here because we're going to deal with uh, the elephant in the room the first week. The first week, and then the second week, we're going to deal with teenagers and, and kids, how to protect your kids. And that last piece, we're going to t- just literally talk about what it means to break free. And this is a huge subject in the church. Here's why, because most churches don't talk about it. We're just afraid to talk about this subject, but we're going to hit it head on, and we're just going to allow God to do what he does with touchy subjects, which is move people closer to him. And so next week, as we start that series, I just want to encourage you to be here for that. But for those of you who are here and who are a CEO, and if you don't know what a CEO is, it's a Christmas an Easter-only Christian. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. Uh, And I know why you don't come back any other time of the year. It's like every time I go there, you're talking on the same two sermons over and over again. Christ was born, Christ was dead. Christ was born, Christ was dead. It's the same two sermons. I know it's amazing. That's why I keep on talking about it. But here's why I love Easter. It's the perfect weekend for anybody who's ever considered putting, putting his or her faith in Christ and becoming uh, a Jesus follower to make a point of doing it today. It's the, one of the greatest days of the year in, in the Christian calendar. And, and, and you're at that point in your life where you're thinking, I think I believe and I think I understand, so now what? What do I do with this? And today we're going to give you that chance to make that point at the end of our time together. And the other thing I love about Easter is, is for those of you who kind of have both feet on the brakes and your spiritual bumpers are up, you know, you're doing one of these things. The only reason why you're here is you promised somebody or your mom or some dad to come, or, or maybe she's really cute and you're just like, well, I'll go with her, you know, and it's, it's like, whatever, I'll just be wherever she is, you know. Or maybe there's food involved, right? You, you had to come here first before you can get to the food, before you can get to go to Nanny's house or Grandma's house because there's great food there, but you had to come here first. You're like, okay, I'm going to church. I am going to church this morning because I want to be involved. I don't care who I have to sit with, but I'll sit with them or sit with her. Sit with I even sit beside Grandpa. He stinks sometimes. You know, it doesn't really matter. I'll do it. But becoming a Christian today is not on your radar, right? Easter really is the best weekend for you to attend church because Easter is when we talk about the one thing that addresses all of your objections to the point of why of why we should become a Christian. Even though that is what Jesus' followers are called, uh, that name in our culture has so many mixed meanings. And, and it's a little tainted uh, by some, some people because many Christians are not very Christian, if we can just be honest, right? You, you, maybe you've met one of those guys or girls before. Uh, maybe you've encountered them. Even this weekend, you're just like, that's not real. I don't understand. That's not Christian. And so but we're going to define that. But I, if, if I had the chance today... 
if I had the chance today, which I do because I got the microphone on, um, to talk to you about why you should put your faith in Christ today, I want to use the language of a Jesus follower versus Christian. Because today we're going to use, you know, because honestly, if we're just really transparent and honest, there's some really weird Christians out there that do some really weird things. And I would say some Christians have weird values that's not found in the Bible and have some done, done some pretty weird things that really don't align with Jesus. And so I would also not use the word church because in our culture, over time, church has done some pretty weird things, right? I mean, they just have. Uh, besides naming what color carpet and, and having all these rules and regulations, and you know, we, we mess things up. We get away, we drift away from the most important thing, which is Jesus. And maybe you've witnessed that or been a part of that, or maybe it's even impacted you. So I'm not going to use the word church. And so some very hurtful things and some other puzzling things just come out of the word church. And so now the, the tough one, the really tough one for some of you here today is, is, is why we should be a Christian or a Jesus follower, and it's the truth, is, is I would not say because it's in the Bible or the Bible says so, because the truth is there were so many Christians before the Bible was even written. And that's, I know it's kind of hard to believe, but there was thousands of Christians before the Bible was ever written. And I know that's hard to believe because we do live in the part of the world where the Bible is everything. We live in that Bible belt, right? We pack it and we, we just, we, we stand on the, the word and the word of God, right? But it's true. You don't have to be, to, to have the Bible to know Jesus. It only allows you to grow deeper into a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus, if I could tell you why I believe and why others believe and you should believe to possibly to even try to think differently today or maybe even take a next step towards Jesus as a follower today, it would be because of what we are celebrating today. It's why you showed up in your pinks and your lavenders and all your, your blues, pastels. It's literally because of what we're celebrating. You showed up and it's why you're listening. It's the event that changed the world as we know it and the event what we as Jesus followers call the Resurrection Sunday. It's the day that changed everything. You know why, when, when, know why and when people started believing Jesus actually did raise from the dead? Now get this, I know it's kind of hard to believe, but it's the day that Jesus really did rise from the dead and there was no body in the tomb. I mean, it, it's, it's that day when people started to believe. Those early followers that were, that were there to meet with Jesus were able to talk to him. They, they had breakfast, breakfast with him a couple days later on the beach that caused a movement, that caused a movement and is still creating life change all over the world today. Now how else do you explain it? How else do you explain millions and millions of people meeting on this day, gathering in worship houses across the world, in, in, in lofts just like this one, in secret places or in caves over in the Middle East because they're, they're scared they might lose their lives, all over the world today to celebrate, to celebrate, get this, the resurrection. Now, why? Either, either you think this is completely true and it did happen and you believe, or you think it's false and it's the biggest hoax that the church has ever put in, into history. And those are two options. Or maybe you're enjoying coming to gatherings because it's the, the good thing to do or the right thing to do because that's what you've been taught in our culture that we live in. You go to church on Sundays. You definitely go to church on Easter and you definitely go to church on Christmas. Why? Wow. 
See, I believe Jesus rose from the dead, and, and, and because of, of a specific eyewitness of accounts that have been carefully recorded for you and for me, but as well, it's impacted my life, and it's changed me of all my doubts and all of my fears, and it's changed my life from the inside out. You see, another person that was changed from the inside out was the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was once Saul, if you don't know the story. It was an amazing story. I encourage you to read. But he wrote this letter in the Bible that just literally caused life change. And it changed lives that now has continued to change life. And he recorded this in 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 7, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now, brothers, now, brothers uh, and sisters, I want to remind you, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. So you got to put this into context a little bit. Why is he reminding Because he's already been there, right? I want to remind you how I preached to you, to, to which you received, on, on which you have taken your stand. Verse 2, it says this, by the, by the gospel you are saved, and if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. And so it goes on. It says, for what I received, I pass on. So he's given something. I pass on to you as the first important that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, meaning there's some letters that's already been written. There's something that's already been put into play. Now, verse four, it goes on to this. It says, I love it, that he was what? Say it with me, church, that he was buried and that he was, come on, say it with me, raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And, and, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is also known as Peter, and then to the other 12, the other uh, disciples. And now it keeps on going. It goes into more detail. After that, he appeared to more than 500 other brothers and sisters at the same time. Now, that's kind of hard to pull that off, by the way, if it didn't happen. I mean, it's just true. It's, it's very true. It's kind of hard for that to happen. But he, he pulls it off, and he says he appeared to 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Now, check that language out. Most who are still living. So we're not talking about a, a language that is written history, and it's like passed down orally. This is something that's, that's they're still living. Now, check this out. Though some have fallen asleep. Now, then this very carefully language here, after he pulled this off, after Jesus was raised from the grave and he, he was no longer dead, Christians around the world just said, instead of dying, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're not really dying. You're just what? Falling asleep. Because what happens when you fall asleep? Eventually you will wake up. It's just that simple, guys. There's some great language here, and sometimes we don't read into it. But then in verse 7, it says this. It says, and then he appeared to James. Now, James is the brother of Jesus. And then he appeared to all the apostles. And that's when it changed everything. It literally started to grow and mature into what we see, a movement of believers, of Jesus followers. Now, for many of you in our culture, we grew up uh, passing on stories and, and these, these oral stories, right? And many people have said that is how we've come to the conclusion of the story of Jesus, but this is not an oral tradition that has been passed down throughout time because eventually making its way into the Bible for us to, to leverage on Sundays, Sundays, Easter's, Christmas, oh man, it's, it's so much more. There's so much more here. And see, check this out. Most scholars, most scholars in the world all agree that Paul, the Apostle Paul that once was Saul, 
was a man who changed the culture in the Mediterranean Sea. They all agree that he did. They all agree that he wrote some amazing letters. A man who changed the culture as we know it because of his passion for something. Because he was passionate about one thing, but then all of a sudden he got really passionate about another thing. But why would a man be devoted to the Roman law, switch and become a devoted follower of Jesus, and eventually give his life to making sure everyone knew of his love for Jesus Christ? you got to put that into context, guys. Maybe because, maybe because what he said was true. What he said and what he wrote is true. It's not just an oral myth of passing something over to somebody. It's... It, or, 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 or maybe a story that's kind of good, and, and you got to tell it just to tell it. You know, it's like when you get together a family. You remember when? You remember when? Or you remember last Easter? Oh, and the story gets sort of, you know, just gets sort of stretched a little bit. See, we also know that this letter was more, more than likely, and I, I love this. I'm a history guy, so I, I love this. this. This letter was more than likely not written hundreds of years later after Jesus was gone, but it was more like around 55 A.D. is when this letter was written. So just like 20 years after. You've got to put that into context. But, but here, he, he was in Corinth, and that, that's when I, I remind you. I'm reminding you of what I said. So that means... The Apostle Paul was there before then when he was writing this. you got to think about that. So that means he was there preaching about this in about 52 A.D. That's just huge, really in context, because a lot of people in our culture and scholars, you know, especially in universities and teachers, they just sort of leave this out and just say, hey, listen, this is a myth. You know, Jesus was, he was, he was a man, but he died. But we just, we just create all this stuff. And churches have just gone crazy about it. Just, it's a touchy-feely thing. And I would say, no, 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 no. There's so much more. There's, there's history involved. And every world scholar agrees that the Apostle Paul is real. But if you go on into the research this out, scholars can agree that he wrote this first letter to Galatians back around 40 A.D. Now we're getting the timeline really close, guys. We're getting the timeline really close to where he died because we know he died at 33 years of age, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. We know now we're within six to eight years. So that means we have eyewitness accounts, people that were actually there. I know it's crazy. It's kind of overwhelming, but I love it. But here's, here's an eyewitness of, of, of the start of a movement that met Jesus face to face and had changed what he cared about because he found Jesus He found Jesus. The Apostle Paul found Jesus, and he changed everything about him from the inside out. And I would also have to say that we we have to lean in to the accounts of these other men of faith who loved Jesus and followed him to the death. you got to look at Matthew. You have to go down the road of Matthew. He sat down and wrote out a personal account of what happened to him as he witnessed Jesus' story unfold in his life. And he was very, very detailed. He was so detailed of just history. And now you go into Mark. Mark sat down and he wrote out an entire chronological account of the life of Jesus. And as well, he wanted to make sure he got all the facts straight. Mark was a, you know, if you're like that type of person, that's, this is Mark. Now Luke, Luke sat down as well, and he wrote out an entire orderly account of what happened in the midst. And that's what the Bible says when Luke writes it, in the midst. So he's in it. He's completely in it, following Jesus of how Jesus loved everyone, how Jesus rose people from the graves, how he performed miracles. He was very detailed, meaning he wanted Every small detail to be revealed about Jesus. John. John was the beloved one. 
he says it often in the Bible when he writes. So it's like John was like one of those moments. This is clarity for a lot of people in, in, in the scriptures. But John always said, you know, for God so loved the world, or excuse me, God so liked the world, but he loved me. You know, he loves me. That's how we sort of read John wrote into the Bible. But John sat down and wrote his eyewitness account because not only did he walk with Jesus, he was Jesus' best friend. He was one of his first ones to stare into the tomb that morning on resurrection morning that changed history. He stood from a distance for a while, but eventually he went in the tomb and it changed everything for John. Then we get to Peter. Peter walked with Jesus on dry land, and we also know in Scripture that he walked with with Jesus on water. You know, we know some of those stories, but he also helped start movements in churches everywhere. He wrote letters to the church during this time, and all these men believed that Jesus really did rose from the grave. And these were these guys, these followers, these intimate followers. They devoted their life to Jesus and his love. And the one that I love the most is James, the brother of Jesus. Now, what does it take to, to convince you, you're a brother or a sibling, that you are the son of God? But see, James was not a follower of Jesus when, when, he was, when Jesus was doing ministry. I don't know if you knew that. But it, it was after a certain event that happened that changed his mind. I mean, but who wouldn't, right? I mean, if your brother rose from the grave, I think I would just do everything he said. I mean, just be honest with you. If you come walking out, I'd be like, whoa. I got my attention, and what you did before didn't, but now I'm in. What, what, what do we need to do? And James literally went all in. He also wrote some letters in the Bible, and in this letter you can hear his voice of how he was convinced, how he was convinced that Jesus not only rose from the dead, check this out, but he was his Lord and Savior. He wasn't just a brother anymore. He was his Lord and Savior. And I believe because these men who, who wrote all these letters and left them for me and left them for you to understand the life and the love that Jesus Christ has for each one of us. Notice it didn't say had. Has for each one of us. You see, over time, history, however, allows people to add stories in, Right? Have you ever been a part of a fishing story? I mean, I did. I love fishing. I mean, it's like the fish story gets bigger every single year. And if you know certain people, they stretch the truth. It's like they make small things into big things. You know, and the next time around 10 years later, it was a really big thing, right? And people around the world, you know, they do this. And maybe you even feel this way about the story of Jesus. And that this whole Jesus thing was completely made up and it's not real. It's just what we Christians do on Easter. We get our little Easter eggs out. We hide them. We do weird things. And just be honest, we do weird things. But I'm thankful for some weird things like Reese Cup Easter bunny eggs. Those are amazing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Whoever did that one, they got that one right. So in that event, we got something a little more. It's, it's just what we do on Easter, right? But I'm here to tell you that we don't believe just because the Bible says it. We believe because those men who wrote about it actually, actually witnessed it. They gave their lives to tell the story. And it created a movement that continues today. And who does that? And why is it still going around the world today? 
No other movement has ever lasted that long for this many years and is that vibrant and actually drawn more people in. You have to put that into context. We believe in the event as Christ followers, as Jesus followers. We believe in the event of the resurrection because with just within a few years, what started out with just a small movement, an intimate movement, right after Jesus had died, had already reached, had already reached over 30,000 people, and they were now fully devoted followers of Jesus. How is that even possible, given the time back 2,000 plus years ago? Keep in mind, they didn't have social media or Twitter. I mean, you got to put that into context. This is word-of-mouth, life-changing stories because someone experienced Jesus, and it changed your life, and now it's changing others. It's changed lives that continue to change lives, and it's still doing that for us today. That is how crazy this story is, or how true this story is. Now, as as time continued on, eventually all these letters, all these letters that were written by men of faith who walked with Jesus or had encountered Jesus, Eventually, these letters are found there. They found their way into one book, and they put some leather around it. And we we actually call that book called the New Testament, which shows up around, now think about this, 200 plus years later after Jesus' resurrection. So that means there was Christians before these letters or this book was put together. I know it's kind of weird, but it's true. And then someone literally had the bright idea. They took the old Jewish laws and the old Jewish scriptures and they put it into a book and they called it, what? The Old Testament. And it was not old to those guys, though. It was actually their scriptures that they were using. But the truth is, this is how we get our Bible that we use today. The Old Testament, New Testament mashed together. But literally, that did not happen hundreds of years and thousands of years later after Jesus was walking out of the tomb. That's why we don't believe that the Bible tells us these old stories of Jesus. No, it's so much more. It's way bigger and it's better because what happened on this day called resurrection really did happen. You see, we believe because James, the brother of Jesus, told us about his significance in following his Savior now. His brother was once dead and now alive. It's also because of Matthew. It's also because of Mark. It's also because of Luke, John, Paul, and thousands of other Christians, all who shared in the story of how it impacted their lives and changed their lives forever. It was an eyewitness accounts that changed everything in that day and time and created a movement of believers who shared their life-changing story to anyone who would listen, who would give them an inch. And they shared this one thing. They shared their story of Jesus. You see, we don't gather today because of the facts of the resurrection Facts get you crazy messed up. We gather today because the resurrection has impacted lives and others around the world. We celebrate that, how it changed lives and how it continues to impact the world and how it continues to change lives and how it continues even in places around the world where there seems like there's no hope and there's no way and there's no love. Jesus ushers in his way, his way, his love, and his truth, and it changes everything. You see, we gather because it's real and impacted those who were called the first disciples, which then were asked to go and share, and they did. 
Even when it seemed all hope was lost and they felt, they felt the, 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 the sin or creeped in, that fear, that, just the dark place, it just creeped in on them. There was nothing left. They watched their Savior die. They watched their best friend die. They watched their brother die. Jesus shows up a couple days later on the event called the resurrection and changes everything. I want to show you a piece of the story that we look over sometimes during Easter, but I believe that there's some significance in the story. There's something to hear that we can look at and will change maybe your viewpoint today and maybe allow your heart to become a little bit more open and begin a new journey to follow Jesus and maybe, maybe even replace that doubt and that fear that maybe we have. And if we could use the Old Testament and look at all the references of the Messiah to come, right? They, they wrote a lot, of, a lot of stories all the way back to Abraham, all the way to, I mean, they just kept on sharing these stories. And it just, you know, allowed it just to be, trans, you know, allowed us to understand it and pass it on. And it's written there and they passed it on all the way into the New Testament and all the way to the, this, this, this savior of the world was born to a virgin. We've heard that story. And from the time of Jesus' birth, we, we know he continued to grow in wisdom and stature. Even he began his ministry around 30 AD, years of age, he was about 30. He was drawing huge crowds because the message that he was teaching was so different from the day and time, that they, but he had learned and just literally kind of raised the bar. The religious leaders during this time were scared because Jesus, he took uh, what they were doing and he literally, he said, if, if this is where we need to be for this, why don't we take it up to here if we're going to try to follow God? He elevated what it meant to believe in God. The government was losing control and the religious leaders had already lost control. And when Jesus literally did this one miracle... When he raised Lazarus from Bethany, from the dead, man, it got wild. It changed life for everyone. People started drawing to Jesus. The crowds grew, and the people started calling Jesus something that got him in trouble. They called him a king, and thus essentially set him up for the crucifixion. They falsely accused him of things. And he was betrayed by some of his own followers. He was set up and he was tried in the courts. He was sentenced and he was beaten and he was hung on a cross. And then he was stabbed in the heart, pierced. And he was dead. And then the unique story here of two men who stepped into history, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, otherwise known as Nick and Joe, who were religious leaders at the time who now understand they just witnessed a mistake, but they were also secret followers of Jesus. And they go and ask for his body from the authorities and were given special permission to remove Jesus' body down from the area where he died. They actually performed the proper religious burial because they were leaders in Jewish law, and so they could do this before the Passover. And they packed his body, Jesus' body, with 70 pounds, 75 pounds of salt. And they wrapped him up in linens. And they placed him into a secure tomb. And then they placed the best Roman elite guards to guard his body. Now, if he wasn't dead before, he is now dead now. And so now let's pick it up a little bit further. The, the day that Jesus died, here's what happened. Everyone stopped following Jesus. The day that Jesus died, the movement stopped. 
There was nobody standing outside of the tomb going, 10, 9, 8, bring out the sound, bring up the house sound, you know, 5, 4, come on, say it with me, 3, 2, come on, come on, 1, here it is. No one was standing there. They fled, they ran, they, no one was around. You couldn't find any Christians or Jesus followers at that moment. And it was one of those unique moments. It's almost like if, if you know Facebook, it's like they all unfollowed, unliked Jesus. All of them did. Because the government killed Jesus. And the truth is that Jesus literally was all about himself. And they thought, the followers thought, they were scared for their life because they didn't want to die. They, they, they ran, and they knew if they killed Jesus, their, their Savior, their, their person that they followed, they're coming after them next. And when he preached and he said he was God's chosen person to do this, when he said he was the way, he was the truth, and he was the light, and when he said he was the Messiah, it changed everything, and they went after him. And for those who follow him, how does the one who's called the Son of God, or who calls himself the Son of God, how does he die? How how does the Messiah die? You see, people unfollowed Jesus. The movement was dead. It was over. His followers, his intimate followers, even his beloved one left. They all left, and they all admitted in the Bible. They all wrote themselves into the story of Jesus truthfully. They wrote themselves in the story almost as someone who betrayed Christ because they was not there the day of the resurrection. They left him. And they ran because they were not expecting the event called the resurrection. No one expected this to happen because no one had ever seen this happen. But this is the day that changed everything. And this is where we pick it up today in John chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. It's an amazing piece. And it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running with Simon Peter and the other disciple, which is John, the the one Jesus loved, there it is, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. You see, in Mary's mind, the story is getting worse and worse and worse. You see, Mary was healed by Jesus, and she was one of Jesus' best friends. She watched him do miracle after miracle and miracles, and and, and even talked about who he was and shared in in what Jesus' ministry was. She believed in Jesus, but when he died, she was mortified. She was broken. She was scared, and she started to doubt. It creeped in. Fear creeped in everything that she had been taught and what she was believing Now she can't even pay respects and give the body of Jesus uh, the proper uh, ceremonial type of cleansing and, and, you know, the perfumes and everything that she had came to to perform that morning, early in that morning, because somebody had stolen the body and they wanted to crush any leftover movement. That's what's going on in her head. They just can't leave him alone. They want to desecrate his body. They want to take it away from us. There's no evidence, no nothing now. It's all over. 
And they are scared. The disciples run back to town. After she gets there, the disciples literally run back, and, they, and Mary just falls to her knees. You see that story. They all run to the tomb, and now they're running back, and Mary literally falls to her knees. And that was your opening video. She's sitting there. And so Mary, in John chapter 20, verse 11, it says this. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Woman, why are you crying? And they had taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, we don't know details of how early it was, how dark it was, if there were shadows, if his face was covered up. We don't know that. It just, she didn't recognize him. And this is someone who spent a lot of time with Jesus, but she did not recognize him. It says, he asked her, woman, why are you still crying? Who is it are you looking for? Thinking, I love this part, thinking he was the what? The gardener, she said. Sir, the gardener, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. You got to think about this for a context, just for a second. Now, why she thought he was the gardener? Because no one was expecting this event called the resurrection. That's one. Also, the gardener comes around and helps clean up things and make things look pretty, right? No one, though, not even his closest friends and followers were there. And now Jesus calls out her voice. He calls out her voice and, and she recognizes it. It's not like woman. She, he says something very specific in verse 16. And Jesus says to her in her name, Mary. Mary. And it says something significant. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanon, which means teacher or rabbi. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, and she said this. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he said these things to her. Now, you're like, what's, okay, gardener, I get it. Okay, what else? You want to know why this piece of the event is so huge? Because this. Women in this day and time have no credibility in the culture. They have no voice. Who in their right mind, if they wanted an oral story or tradition to be passed on, would hinge everything on a woman? Just being real. It's right here in the text, especially in this day and time. And, and they had no voice, but they're putting woman's voice as the first person who sees Jesus. And he says, I've seen him. He's alive. And he told me to tell you this. Now then, if we want to really go down the road of telling a story, 
We say that John found him, Peter found him. All the disciples were out there chanting him on, bringing him out, pushing him back into into the, 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 the front light in Jerusalem and everywhere else. But no, 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 no. It's Mary. It's Mary. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. You see, women had no cult or credibility in the culture, and you would not have a woman tell this story in the first, and, and, and you know why it's in the Bible this way? You know why it's in the Bible this way? Because that's exactly what happened, and they wrote the truth down as you can't taint the truth. It will always survive, and it will move forward. The same Jesus that came back and whispered her name is the truth for us today. He's calling a lot of our names out daily and whispering to thousands of people's names for centuries and centuries. And even his earliest followers, when he said, follow me. And now those disciples have a movement that has changed the lives and millions through history. But just like Mary and the early disciples, we know people who are leaving, living in a life of fear and are a slave to death because they have doubts that creep in. And I'm here to tell you, I believe not just because the Bible says so, but because the resurrection changed the life of everybody. Because Jesus did rose from the dead and people became bold in their faith and they took the government on and the leaders on and said, you killed him, we've seen him, now say you're sorry. And when they did that, we find in the book of Acts, something amazing starts, and it never has slowed down. It keeps multiplying because people still have these moments when they recognize Jesus' voice. You see, Jesus taught what you do in life. This life matters because it changes lives, especially if you follow me. Why? Because life is better with Jesus. It, it, it was then and it's the same today because Jesus is the Savior of the world and he makes things better. And he is worth your consideration today. Think about it as we close and wrap up and the band comes up here. Think about this. That one moment with Mary, that one moment when she realized death was arrested and her life changed. Jesus said, from the grave you are no longer a slave to fear. Mary when, when he gave up his life and he walked back into hers, his life became true to hers and, and those who intimately followed Jesus so they could go to prepare a better place that is so much better than here. And it's only for those who believe in, in the resurrection. It's for those only who believe in Jesus. But it all starts with the relationship of hearing your name, Mary, Mary. That's when life begins. For some of you, you know he is calling your name out. And you've just been fighting it for years. You've been living in fear. You've got doubts. You've served in the church and you really don't know Jesus. It's more head knowledge than it is heart knowledge. And I would say you're not living. You know who Jesus is, but you don't know Jesus. I would ask that you start in this this morning, just right now, you listen for his whispering voice that can change a life, change your life, and invite him in to a personal relationship with you. The bottom line is this for this morning. It's simple. You can take it out and run with it. Christ died for our sins and he was buried, but he rose from the dead and was seen. 
Christ died for our sins and was buried, but he rose from the dead and he was seen. It's been given for thousands of years to tell that story over and over again. Not because it's just what the Bible says or what the church says, but it's because people's lives have been impacted and changed forever. And so what we like to do on Easter is a little bit different. If this is where you're at and you're just struggling with this, as we close out this morning, we're going to give you that chance right now, right here. I know this is a bold statement, but just like Mary, when she stood up, when she stood up, she had a chance to go change the world, and she did, because she went and told her story. And this is where it gets real for you. I'm just going to do this. If you believe, and you've never publicly said you believe, I'll ask you to just take a stand right now. Just stand up and say, I believe. I'm going all in today. I want to go tell my story. It's no longer about head knowledge. It's about heart knowledge. Take that stand right now. This might be an awkward moment for us, but it's the truth truth that matters and sets us free. So as we start to sing this song, we know we got some believers in here, and we're going to celebrate this moment. We're going to celebrate the resurrection like no other because death was arrested, and we know it was when Jesus walked out of that tomb on resurrection morning. And we have no more fears. There is no longer any condemnation. There's only hope in Jesus Christ. So Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're doing. And I just praise you for how you stepped out of that grave. And you literally allow us to experience you. We're no longer a slave to fear and any doubts because you have risen. And we celebrate that on Easter 2017.